to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. Today's topic is humility, taming our ego. I recently mentioned that taking the drink away doesn't take the darkness away. It just helps it stop growing. I've talked about how when I have things that are bugging me and I don't talk about them, they get stuffed into this dark place. And over the years of active alcoholism, that uh, that dark place just became overstuffed with fear and anger and sadness and um, just everything, all the emotions that I wouldn't let myself feel and I would just drink, pour alcohol over top of them so that I didn't have to feel them. All of that stuff ended up um, getting stuffed down in the dark place. So when I finally took the drink away and, um, and they were kind of, you know, naked in there and, and they needed to be pulled out of the dark place, um, they didn't, they didn't go anywhere when I stopped drinking. They, they just sat there raw and, and that's where the pain starts. That's where you have to start feeling it. You got to let yourself feel it in order to get, to get it out of there. And so it takes a lot of work to empty out the dark place. And, um, And so there's still this quandary of getting out of yourself. So once, uh, we'll say fast forward, you've been working through a lot of these suggestions and, and starting to talk through, go to, uh, you know, a therapist, get professional help if you need it. And, um, and you're starting to pull that darkness out of you to make room for for joy and serenity there's still this okay now that that's all out of there and I'm seeking joy and serenity where do I find it how do you you know I'm always talking about seeking joy and um and where do you find it so I have found joy most often outside of myself. As interesting as that is, joy is something that you feel on the inside, but you don't seek it on the inside. You seek it out around you. And and often the joy is found in other people. I have found that by by making that shift after I'm able to really focus on myself, get professional help and start taking a look at myself and and getting things manageable at least, then I start to have a little more time and energy for other people and being able to focus outward instead of inward. And so I can... Well, you guys know I could talk all day long, but I can talk all day long about being kind and loving. That's part of my 
paragraph that I read before I go to bed. Um, have I been kind and loving to others? Well, I can say that I've been kind and loving, but I can tell you also that I have a hella ego. <laughs> and as much as I think I'm being kind and loving to other people, I do have to really think about what my motives are. When I'm being kind and loving to somebody, am I being kind and loving for their benefit or for my benefit? And I'll tell you, I am a very manipulative woman. <laughs> I really am. Um, it's my little secret, but I try to check myself and make sure that my kindness and my loving nature is really because I deeply feel love for the, the person that I'm interacting with. Um, because sometimes, you know, that sounds really bitchy, but I've talked about how I can be a big old bitch. And, and so um, I have to check my, my motives a lot. And, um, and I feel like my ego is like a freaking wild animal. And that's why the title of the episode is Taming Our Ego. Um, I have to be a lifelong student. I have to, now that I've emptied out that dark place, now that I've started to practice a lot of this um, recovery ideas and suggestions and all that stuff, um, I have to continue to be a student. I can't just let my ego take over and be like, oh, I got this. I know what I'm doing now. Um, because you see where it gets me, you know, as soon as we talk about it in sobriety, as soon as we think that we've got this thing licked and we're fine and, uh, we don't need any more fellowship or anything like that. That's when people go start drinking again. And, and the same thing applies today with this recovery. Um, when I have a good day and I think, oh, well, I'm gonna, you know, screw voiceover on my phone. I'm going to turn on my screen and check my messages. I've got this because I feel better. Well, guess what? I don't feel better. And it hits me like a freaking tractor trailer. If I try to, um, if I try to do this my way, um, and think that I've got it all figured out. So I'm learning on a daily basis how to take responsibility for my behavior. And that's responsibility for my behavior, um, how I'm taking care of myself, how I'm taking care of my loved ones, and how I take care of the relationships that I have with people around me, whether they are um, people that I've known for years, people that I've just met, people on the street, or, you know, my kids and my boyfriend, my mom, my brother, my sister, my dad, you know, my stepmom. I need to take responsibility for my behavior, respond instead of react. And that goes with pausing. I'll talk about the pause all the time. 
And I need to sacrifice my pride sometimes. I don't have to be right. When I, 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 I was told this, I think before I even got sober, like, what's the point of being right? Is it, um, like all I'm doing, if I'm interacting with another person and I think that they're wrong and I'm right and, um, and I am dead set on convincing them that they are wrong, what is that doing for them? Well, it's going to make them feel either stupid or bad or, you know, whatever the topic is that they're wrong about, <laughs> and they may not even be wrong, but but what is the point of me proving that I'm right so that I make them feel bad? Like there's, what is, what good is in that? So I feel better. I feel smarter. So um, I have tried to implement that practice of when I get to a standstill with somebody, a standoff <laughs> with somebody where I truly, truly believe that they are wrong and I am right. I will be the first one to say, you know, you could be right. Now, that's not what they want to hear. They want to hear you are right. Well, I'm not going to just say you're right. I'm going to say, you know, either I'm going to agree to disagree or, you know, you could be right. Like, let's move on is what I'm trying to say. Let's move on. Now, the other person, I know some personalities that will not stop if I say you could be right or I'm going to agree to disagree with you. There are some people that will come back at me and won't stop until they prove that I'm wrong. And um, those are unique. I think they're more unique situations. I, I can name one person specifically that does that with me. Um, I don't really interact with that person much more um, than I used to. So it doesn't happen so much. But it is challenging when you have that kind of a relationship. And, and that's really because that person has an ego that they need to tame. That's what I think. Everybody's sick in some way, you know, so I try to give everybody grace. I try, I try. Um, I'm not perfect though. That's for sure. So in sobriety, we start out by saying that, uh, we start out by admitting complete defeat. So this is kind of that situation on a much smaller scale where you're talking with somebody, you're interacting, they think they're right, you think you're right, um, and then deciding for the benefit of the relationship, you are admitting complete defeat. That doesn't seem right. It seems like it's ego stomping, like stomping your own ego. I don't know if that's the right word for it. But um, but honestly, it's all in how you look at it. Why are you doing it? I'm doing it to, to um, 
to keep my relationship with this person healthy. And it doesn't mean that you go around saying, you know, just being like, everybody else is right and I'm, I'm wrong. I'm not saying that. But um, you pick your battles. They, it, it, this is like, before I stopped drinking, everybody was wrong and I was right. Everybody. Um, and I would argue with you about it. Um, because that's all I cared about. All I cared about was this girl and proving that I am as smart as I think I am. And I do know everything. Um, you know, I may not have said that if you asked me, do you know everything? I wouldn't have said that I know everything, but I sure acted like I knew everything. And so in sobriety, we start out by admitting complete defeat and powerlessness over alcohol. That's where we start. Um, and by being able to kind of really just roll over and, and be like, you know, that's it. I, I can't do it my way. I can't do it my way. So something else, something's got to change or nothing's going to change. Same thing. So that's where it starts, but it takes years to start really understanding what humility means and to get out of self. And just like everything else that I've been talking about, it's practice. And uh, some days I'll do it well, and most days in the beginning I don't do it well. Um, but having the opportunity to work through these 12 steps of sobriety have helped me to learn how to tame my ego. And instead of risking my relationships in order to be, to feel smarter, to feel more in control, I don't do that as much anymore because it doesn't mean as much to me anymore. I don't need to be right to be joyful. I don't need to be right in order to be serene. You know, I don't need to be right in order to feel like I'm in control of my own life. And and that's really all I'm in control of is my own reaction to the let to the world around me. So in sobriety, the first, uh, you know, once we admit complete defeat, we make a decision um, to, to reach outside of ourselves to get to get help to stop trying to do it my way to let go, let go of everything that we thought that we knew was best for us and admit that our life is just unmanageable at this point. And so my way is not working. I don't know everything and admit my defects. So once we get through, um, being like, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I don't know everything, then you start being introduced to this idea about how we all have defects of character. And so what 
this is where I started thinking, man, I wish people who weren't alcoholics had a program like this. And that's kind of the reason why, one of the many reasons why I thought that this podcast was a cool idea because I'm, because I'm able to pull parallels between recovering from my stroke and recovering um, from alcoholism. I always hate saying recovering from alcoholism because you never actually recover from it. It's ongoing. It's a lifelong journey. But anyway, that was a side note. So um, to be able to draw parallels, more and more the episodes seem to be applicable to just life in general, just people learning how to live. You know, I, I learned how to live without alcohol and, and then, um, it just keeps building and building on top of it. it. So now I'm living without alcohol, but I still need it. I still need all of these ideas and suggestions and stuff. So, um, it's just been great for me to share it and, and be able to apply it to what I'm going through now, which is, you know, seven and a, I guess seven, a little over seven years later after starting sobriety. So recognizing these defects and giving them a name. Um, so I'll, I'll give you a couple examples here about um, what some of my defects are. This is what I mean by defects. And um, and once I'm able to, to ha- have some humility and name the defects, then I'm able to start looking at them on a daily basis. And that's where that paragraph comes in that I read every night to myself is where did these where did these little guys rear their ugly heads today um, so here are some examples um, when am I judging others I I noticed that there are so here's an example like when I am public speaking, I, for the longest time, had this anxiety, and part of it was because I felt like I was being judged. I felt like I was on a stage, and I was being judged for who I am, what I sound like, what I look like, and I wasn't sure if I was good enough, whether I was smart enough, You know, why am I smart enough and think I know everything off the stage, but on the stage, I'm not sure if I, if I do, you know, it, that's, that's just an, uh, a side thought, but what I realized is, do I feel that way because that's how I'm looking at others on stage So I started really looking at that. I started looking at how I am perceiving 
somebody else who's public speaking while I'm in the audience. And there is, I, I, I was judging people. I honestly was. I was judging if they are good at what they're doing, if they sound like they know what they're talking about. And, but what I was not judging is what they look like. Because honestly, if somebody's on stage and they know exactly what they're saying and what they're talking about, they could have three heads. I could give a shit what they look like, you know? And, and so by taking a look at my own behavior, I was able to uh, improve my own public speaking just a little bit more, recognizing that I don't need to worry about what I look like. As long as I know what I'm talking about, that's, that's what matters. You know what I mean? So by looking at my own character defects, the way that I judge other people makes helps me to recognize how I can be a better person, if that makes sense. So when am I judging other people? And, and I'm honestly, I'm getting raw. It sounds nasty to say that I judge other people, but, but I do, you know, that's the God's honest truth. Honestly, I'm doing this podcast and telling you all that I'm an alcoholic and I'm, and I'm depressed because I'm recovering from a stroke where I don't have, whether, where I have vision impairment. So honestly, I don't have anything to hide. So if I were to tell you, I judge other people. That's probably the, the, the smallest of my issues being public. <laughs> so anyway, um, the second one is when am I not understanding rather than to be understood? So um, this is the 11th step prayer, which is a part of my sobriety program. And it's also called something else if you go to church. <laughs> But uh, St. Fran- Francis Prayer, I think, is this one. Uh, yeah, St. Francis Prayer. So, um, to understand than to be understood. And this has stood out to me as, as, for me, the most important line in the St. Francis Prayer is to understand than to be understood. it's not the most important thing that is said in there, but it's the one that resonates the most with me because I have spent my whole life wrapped up in self and wanting everybody to understand how Rachel feels. You know, Rachel, poor Rachel's an alcoholic. Poor Rachel, you know, got a divorce. Poor Rachel, uh all these things. I was going to say had a stroke, but I do, I still feel poor Rachel about that. (laughs) Um, so what I've learned from repeating this St. Francis prayer is it reminds me that it's not poor Rachel, that what it is, is looking outside of Rachel at the people around me 
and trying to understand them and what they're going through. And I'll tell you, my heart just, I feel so much empathy and love and growth by looking outward instead of inward. And so that's one of my character defects that I've been working on. And then the third one, when am I thinking that I'm a better human being than others? And this is, um, you know, this is embarrassing, I think, that I would be able to admit to this. But I think that in my life, there had been times, mostly when I was drinking, that I was so sloshed or out of my mind that I would look at somebody else and be like, you know, I'm a, I wouldn't word it that way to myself. But when I reflect on that feeling, it was almost like I felt like I was a better human being than them. And I'm not, I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same kind of human being. There's nobody, you know, there's nobody that is better than anybody else with all of our defects, with all of our impairments and everything that we deal with as, as a, as a society of human beings. You know, I am not any better than anybody, no matter who they are. If I'm better at my job than somebody else, I'm still not better at being a human being than they are. And that's what's important for me to realize that I may be better, I may be a better driver than the person driving next to me on the highway, but I'm not a better human being than them. Um, you know, I, I, I may be better at, um, at raising my kids than another woman who I see mistreating their kids, but I'm not a better human being than her. I'm still not because I don't know what she has gone through in her life that has put her in the situation where she's treating her kids that way. I don't think that it's right but what is she dealing with that is making her have to be that way? Whatever it is, is something that a human being would be challenged with. And so I'm not better than her. I still am not better than her. Um, and honestly, maybe I can be helpful in some way, depending on, you know, the situation. So there's this book called Drop the Rock which is a part of uh, very well-known in, in sobriety. And the book is about um, a bunch of sober people who set sail for the island of serenity. And as they start sh taking off, you know, in their boat, they look back and see that there are folks that they've left behind. Um, and those folks are, you know, standing on the shore and one of them starts swimming towards the boat, but is holding a big rock over her head. And everybody in the boat is like, drop the rock, drop the rock. And she's swimming and she's trying to get on the, get to the boat, but she can't get there because she's holding onto this rock and she won't let it go. And 
And so no matter what kind of encouragement anybody tries to give her, only she can drop the rock. Only she can make the decisions to let go of her character defects, you know, and join the, join, join the journey with all the other folks in sobriety. And it really is just a beautiful concept. And it reminds me of what I'm talking about today. So in sobriety, after step one, um, and making that, that decision, that, that admission, Um, The rest of the steps are really a way of life. They're a guide for living. And we we talk about people going through all of the steps and it's all about, you know, admitting your role where you've damaged relationships with other people's uh, people. I'm totally generalizing and summarizing. So um, I don't mean to sound dismissive about the steps. They're, uh, you know, absolutely life changing. Um, But just to summarize, it's, it's about building back those relationships, but it starts from within us. And we have to start by looking at our own character defects and then we talk about those with another person. And then we start approaching our relationships and working through those. So that's really the part of the program that I'm talking about. But it very much applies to anybody. You don't have to be an alcoholic to active or in recovery to practice this type of behavior. And that's why I think it's so great to share. I have to remain willing to get out of self and put others first. And I think any human being could benefit from that. I was reminded by a friend today that when we are dealing with a relationship and there's something wrong, you're in an argument with somebody else. What is wrong is not the other person. What's wrong is you. No matter what it is, no matter what argument you're having, what's wrong is within you because they can't make you feel a certain way. It's your choice. I've talked about that also in previous episodes, that our feelings are choices and nobody can make us feel this way. Um, now, there are extreme issues of a- abusive behavior. I'm not talking about that. Those types of things, I encourage you to seek professional help. And don't listen to this podcast. But, um, and that's, I didn't mean to, to snicker at the end of that. It's just that um, it's really important to... Seek professional help if you're dealing with something that's extreme like that. What I'm talking about is when we're dealing with everyday relationships and somebody rubs us the wrong way, what is wrong is not them, it's within us. And we have to dig deep and look at that. Look at 
What is my character defect? What is causing me to feel this way? And how can I respond to it? Not how can I react and blow up at the other person or be like, you know, uh, calling them names and such, but looking inward and figuring out, okay, these are the facts. This is what I've been handed. What am I going to do with this? Because it's my choice. I can do whatever I want. It's my life. It's the only thing that I get to control is how I am going to respond to other people. And it takes so much practice. It takes so much practice. So I'm 49. I can't wait to see how good I am at this when I'm 89. (laughs) Um, So remaining a student, by focusing outward, we are able to be more rewarded on the inside. Um, In sobriety, we say, In order to keep it, we have to give it away. So in order to make ourselves better on the inside, to keep sobriety, we have to give it away. We have to focus outward and help other people because that's really where the joy and the serenity and the healing is, is is trying to help other people. And so... Um, another piece from the 11 step prayer or the, uh, St. Francis prayer is it says by self forgetting, we find, and that is, uh, absolutely just, I feel that so deeply now in the beginning of all of this. I didn't really understand what that meant by self-forgetting we find. But really, by by letting go of, of just, you know, by just being. By letting go of whatever I'm stressed about, anxious about, sad about, you know, but... You know, maybe not even let it go. Maybe just put it beside me. Just stick it on my nightstand like I talk about. Just, you know, keep it beside you. You know it's there. You don't have to carry it around. But just be for a little bit. And just by just being, you can just be available to other people. And... And, and I don't know about you, but when I make somebody laugh or I see somebody else smile because of something that I said, I just am so lifted and, um, and more joyful because I've made a positive impact on somebody else. So um, there's also a, a writer, poet named... Ian S. Thomas, and he has this quote, and I want to read it. So I was supposed to have it on my lap and prepared for you, but I didn't. So this is the quote. It's uh, and I heard this on Calm.com today, and um, and it really resonated with me. Um, so Ian S. Thomas says. And every day the world will drag you by the hand, yelling. 
This is important, and this is important, and this is important. You need to worry about this, and this, and this. And each day, it's up to you to yank your hand back, put it on your heart, and say, no, this is what's important. So that's really just, it's great, you know, it's really great. Um, I might have to print that out and like put it on my wall or something like that. So anyway, um, that was Ian S. Thomas quote. And the book that I referenced in this episode is called Drop the Rock. And although it's uh, focused on sobriety, um, it's just really a great, a great read. Um, So I recommend it. And that's what I have for you today. Thanks for listening. Let's go out and tame our egos. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.